Hey everyone, it's Stephanie from True Crime Anonymous. I just want to tell you about this app called Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It is free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it is everything you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. True Crime Anonymous may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, welcome to True Crime Anonymous. I am Stephanie, I will be your host today. I feel like it's been forever since I've uploaded a case for you guys. It probably has been. It's been a crazy week with Halloween and kids and I'm lazy. (laughs) No, but it's literally been a crazy week. So, unfortunately, I haven't given you guys a story. So, but now you get two in a row. You get one tonight and then tomorrow's Mass Murder Monday. But it won't be in the morning tomorrow. It'll be like tomorrow night so mass murder monday will be a little late because i'm running a little behind but i have a really good story for you guys tonight it's really gruesome i'm i'm coming at you guys with like the gruesome cases but i mean you don't want to listen to boring ones right you want to listen to ones that are like make you go what the front door you know So, I got one of those for you. This case is of Hella Crafts. And her name is Hella. Like, that shit is hella dope. Yeah, Hella. But, (laughs) that was so stupid. That was hella stupid. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. Hella Crafts was born Hella Nielsen in Denmark. She moved to the United States and met her husband, Richard Crafts. And shortly after they met, they married in 1979. Together, they settled in Newton, Connecticut and had three children by the year 1985. So they had three kids in like six years. That's a lot. So they were busy. Together, they had both earned a living by working in the airline industry. Hella was a flight attendant, and Richard was making like a hundred grand in the early 1980s. Like, that's a lot of money. In like 2019 money, that's like probably double. I'm not sure, but it's a lot of money. I mean, they're living in Connecticut anyway. Connecticut is um, a pretty you know rich place a lot of it um so they were they were living good um you know three kids 
working in the airline industry, making 100K in the early 1980s. Their life was good from the outside, as usual. I mean, isn't that how all of our stories go? Seems to be a reoccurring theme that people make their lives look great from the outside. But from the inside, they're a hot mess. And this family was no different. Um, in addition to making bank, um, Richard would um, be a part-time police officer in Southbury, Connecticut, which is like the next town over. And also, he was a volunteer constable in Newton, the town that they that they lived in. Um, but with all of these things that he was doing, he was never home. And after just six or seven years of marriage, Hella just, like, had enough. She was not happy. You know, he was never home. He always had some sort of excuse where he was. And soon after that, she started suspecting that he was cheating on her. And she just wasn't happy. She wanted to leave. She didn't trust him. So, in September of 1986, she went to see a divorce lawyer. And her and her lawyer agreed that she should probably hire a private investigator. And she, Hella had told her attorney that Excuse me, my cat is being crazy. Sorry. I have this cat and it's literally crazy. It's scratching everything. Sorry. Um, so she hired a private investigator. His name was Keith Mayo. And Keith went to work on following Richard. He was following him around, snapping pictures and... You know, so he collected all of his evidence and on a cold, rainy night, uh, Hella had to meet Keith and she sits down with him and he hands her a manila envelope filled with pictures of exactly what she had expected, but not what she had hoped for. The long distance phone number that Hella was seeing on her phone was it had belonged to a fellow flight attendant who Richard was having an affair with. The pictures were of the two kissing and holding hands and touching, you know, like she was touching his arm and his back and they were just being like, you know, mildly intimate with each other in public and Keith got all of these pictures and she was devastated naturally and she just let out this big long hurtful painful cry and sobbed for like 10 minutes straight you know her private investigator is trying to console her and calm her down and she finally after like 10 minutes you know calms herself down and you know enough and you know collects her thoughts and goes home And she calls Diane Anderson, which is her divorce attorney. And she's like, listen, um, 
I got the pictures. It's, you know, official. I, I want you to draw up the divorce papers, like, for real. Please do it. And Diane, her attorney, was like, you really need to be careful. Um, and she was concerned about violence, um, you know, retaliation, things like that. Um, she was worried about that kind of thing. But even the friends of Hella said that they thought that Richard was hurting her and that he was just cold and he had this cold stare and he just seemed evil. Um, and Hella actually told her friends, quote, if something bad happens to me, it was no accident, end quote. Then Hella confronts her husband about his affairs and she let him know that that was it. She wants a divorce. She's not happy. I'm, she's done. Like, she's like, I'm done. I'm done. There's no fixing this. I don't trust you. I'm not happy. We got to just part ways. So, you know, but life has to keep going. So she, for the next few months, just works as regular. She takes her flight jobs, you know, her flight assignments, as they're called. And she does her best to just keep going in the meantime while everything's being finalized and set up and um november of 1986 she takes a flight assignment to germany and then back and exhausted her best friend drives her back home so she could relax and go to bed and that is the last time her best friend or anyone would ever see her again. Hella drops her bag on the floor of the, you know, the house is empty and cold. She slips off her heels and starts up the stairs while letting her hair down and heads for the master ba bathroom to take a nice hot shower. The water is hot, the weather is ominous and raw. Enjoying her shower, she just gets lost in the steam. And almost 30 minutes later, she gets out and grabs her robe, heads to the bedroom. She slips on, on some of her favorite pajamas and sits on the side of her bed, turns on her bedside lamp, and gets her favorite Barbie pink nail polish and paints her nails while she's just relaxing and getting ready for bed you know she's clean and relaxed and wants to paint her nails and sip her tea you go girl um and she's like oh i'm so tired but i gotta brush my teeth so she decides finally it she's gotta go to bed she gets up because she's just got it's a responsible adult thing to do go brush your teeth woman get up do it you know we all have that fight in our heads sometimes like oh my god I don't want to brush my teeth you know but we do it so she goes back to the master bathroom and she starts brushing her teeth still in a cloud of hot wet steam 
you know, she's brushing her teeth, eyes closed, peaceful for a moment, ready for sleep, and boom! Hella is hit in the back of the head. Boom! Another hit with a blunt object drops to the floor, hitting her head on the counter on the way down. Dazed and bleeding, she tries to get up and is just confused and trying to run, but she's slipping all over the floor. She makes it to the bed. Boom! One last hit in the head. And she's in bed. And she's out cold. Lifeless. She wanted so badly to be asleep in her bed. But now she's in bed, but she's dead. Again, what she expected, but not what she hoped for. As Hella's life fades away, the snow starts to fall. Hella is brought downstairs and put into a giant freezer. And as the weather grows cold and the ground is freezing, so is poor Hella. Hella is kept there for a few hours until her body is frozen enough. Frozen enough for what, you might ask? Frozen enough to be cut up into pieces by a chainsaw. The pieces of Hella are transported to Lake Zor in a truck. Attached to this vehicle is a wood chipper. By now, it's 3.30 a.m., and her body is being fed into a wood chipper piece by piece to be made into thousands upon thousands of smaller pieces of Hella. Just an hour later, Hella Crafts is in thousands upon thousands of pieces on the shore of Lake Zor. The next morning, Richard was supposed to be bringing Hella and the three kids to his sister's house in Westport, Connecticut. But when they arrived, Hella was not present. And for the next few weeks, friends and co-workers all asked the same question. Where is Hella? But each time the same question was asked, a different answer was given. He said she was in Denmark visiting her sick mother. She was in the Canary Islands with a friend. She was off cheating on him with some Asian guy. The stories didn't stop. Friends grew really concerned because they knew how Richard was. Aggressive and temperamental, they were all scared. Not a one person had heard from her. Keith Mayo was also trying to contact her. That was her PI. He was convinced Richard had done something. And she was finally reported missing on December 1st, 1986, nearly two weeks since anyone had heard from her. Keith Mayo, the private investigator, kept telling the local police it was Richard. And they finally gave the case to Connecticut State Police and go and investigate the house. 
the investigators find six small blood drops on the mattress in the bedroom. A six inch blood smear on the bed frame and a bath towel that had been washed, but testing revealed that it had been covered in blood. The blood samples on the mattress were tested and were shown to be blood type O positive, Hella's blood type. The family nanny had also said she saw a stain on the carpet and asked Richard what it was, and he had told her it was kerosene. But now, at the house, when investigators showed up to look for a potential crime scene, that part of the carpet was missing. This was all happening the day after Christmas, more than a month after Hella had went missing. Richard was vacationing in Florida for Christmas break with the kids, not a care in the world. Keith Mayo, again the private investigator, was literally telling the local police like Richard had something to do with all of this, but they wouldn't listen and that's what took them so long because um, well, Richard was a volunteer constable in that town and like I said, the case ended up being um, taken by the state police. Richard is contacted and willingly comes in for questioning, and he is calm, cool, and collected. He was also asked to take a polygraph, and he passed it. But he pretty much knew that he was caught. They had already executed a warrant and searched his home, but the police need more. It wasn't until six weeks after Hello went missing, right after the house was searched, that a local snowplow driver would provide information that would blow this case wide open. The snowplow driver claims that on the night between of 11:18 and 11:19 around 4 a.m. he was driving along the road and a guy was pulled over on the side of the road and he had a wood chipper attached to the back of his vehicle. And he was like, I'm okay, I'm okay. And he just waved him on. He said this guy, he had a wood a wood chipper attached to the back of his vehicle, you know, and the snowplow, snowplow driver volunteers to lead police to the exact location that he saw him. So on January 9th, 1987, dive teams explore the lake and end up finding a chainsaw. The chainsaw still had hair and fragments attached to it when they pulled it out. At the same time, they were exploring the shore as well. The forensics team led the sorry, the forensics team lead remembers the serial number by heart till this day, E592616. They were able to trace the chainsaw to a local chainsaw store. Richard's credit card records show a visa, a visa purchase for that exact chainsaw, also for a rental of a wood chipper. Records also showed purchase of a freezer that they could not locate. The National Guard that did the inspection of the lake let the state police have like a grind a, oh my goodness a giant green tent so they could set up and get to work processing this gruesome scene at the shore 
after days and days of meticulous, gruesome work, not only did they find lots of evidence, they had a few officers that said if this case was going to turn out how they thought it was going to, that they would retire. It was that bad. They found 2,660 hairs that were bleach blonde, a fingernail with pink nail polish on it, small pieces of fabric seemingly from a nightgown or pajamas. Her friend later identified that fabric from her favorite nightgown. The hair was matched to hairs that were in her hairbrush at home, and the nail polish was nail polish was also a match as her favorite Barbie pink polish. Finally, on January 13, 1987, Richard was arrested. The investigators now had everything they needed to bring him to trial, even without an intact body. The lead investigator of forensics for the state police, Henry Lee, Henry Lee was confident that under the inf- unfortunate circumstances, he would be convicted. They had the unusual purchases of a freezer, bed sheets, comforter, wood chip rental, all the paperwork that Richard had turned over, including a receipt for the chainsaw with the exact serial number. They had a witness, Joseph Hines, which is the snowplow driver, and all of the pieces recovered of Hella, which included three ounces of human tissue, a tooth crown, fingernail with polish, bone chips, 2,660 bleach blonde hairs, and type O positive blood, all which came back to be from Hella. They were confident. From all of their findings, they concluded that Richard struck Hella in the head two or three times with a blunt object, which stained the carpet in their bedroom. Then he put her body in the freezer until she was frozen solid. Then he cut her up with a chainsaw and then fed her body to the pieces fed her body pieces to the wood chipper which he had rented, projecting her fragmented remains into the truck, then shoveling them out onto the shore. Homicide prosecution requires an official determination of death of the alleged victim, usually done by identification of a body, which they couldn't do because she was in a zillion pieces. But a forensic dentist helped with with the tooth crown found on the shore. He matched it to Hella's dental records. Because of this, this evidence with the tooth crown, Connecticut State Medical Examiner's Office issued a death certificate on 1-13-87. And that is when Richard was arrested. That same day, right after that was done, they were like, go get him. This was huge. They didn't even have a body and they, you know, issued a death certificate. Huge, huge stuff. In preparation for the trial, H. Wayne Carver, the state medical examiner, got a pig carcass that was fed through a wood chipper. The shape of the marks on the pig's bone chips after the process were similar to Hella's bone fragments. This strengthened the hypothesis that Richard did this. And in May 
1988, the trial started in New London, Connecticut. It was moved there because of the crazy amount of publicity that the case was receiving. After all of the evidence was presented and all of the confidence the prosecution had, the trial ended in a hung jury. And it ended in a hung jury because a single juror refused to vote for guilt and walked out. He refused to return. So they tried him again. A second trial was held November 1989 in Norwalk, Connecticut. This time, he was found guilty. Richard Crafts was sentenced to 50 years in prison and is eligible for parole in 2021. For those detectives, the case ended up how they expected, but not how they had hoped and have since retired. Hella's life ended up how she expected, but not how she hoped. I guess that's true for a lot of things or situations or people. I don't really think Richard received enough time. It's like more than obvious to me that he did this to her. And it was gruesome and gross and horrifying and terrible and all the bad things. Um... This case even um, inspired the film Fargo, apparently, and was the um, very first case of Forensic Files. Episode number one of Forensic Files is about this case. Um, 2021 is only like a little more than a year away, and I really, really hope that he doesn't get paroled. It just wouldn't be fair. 50 years and parole after 2021 is not fair for her. She did not deserve this. This is horrible. This is beyond... It's just so disgusting and crazy and I just can't even with this. None of this was necessary. Like, she just could get divorced. Like, I understand they had a lot of money and it would have been expensive, but what the frig, man. Don't cheat on your wife, dude. Like, (laughs) she was beautiful and great and cool. And, like, did you really, like, if you're not happy, don't cheat on somebody. Just leave. Don't get married. Don't commit your life to somebody else and then you're just going to cheat on them. Like, don't. Just stop it. (laughs) It's, ugh. It's, I guess today's lesson and reoccurring theme seems to be that most of the time, things or people turn out how you expect and not as you hope. And it's really sad. It's a really crap thing to say, but... A lot of the times it's true. Like, be someone that someone had hoped you would be. And not as they expect, I guess. Be the opposite, you know? Because there's too much of this. Too much negativity. Too much crap. Too much cheating. Too much killing people. This is just... He better not get paroled. That's so crazy. Um... What do you guys think? Let me know. 
let us know here at True Crime Anonymous. You can be anonymous. Um, send us a voice message or a DM on Facebook or Instagram or send us an email, truecrimeanonymous at yahoo.com. Um, follow us, like us, share this um, become a monthly supporter, please, 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 please become a monthly supporter. Um, it would really help us out and just make sure that you tell a friend or, you know, just share it. Word of mouth. We're really, you know, trying to get true crime anonymous off the ground and you guys are doing such a great job at supporting us here and it just means so much i say this every time and it's probably redundant and stupid but i love you guys all over the world you guys are awesome and tomorrow is mass murder monday and yeah today's recurring theme most of the time things or people turn out how you expected not as you hoped and sorry for the like negative thinking stop negative thinking it's just truth just be someone that someone had hoped not as they expected unless they expected you'd be good but let's not make it too complicated complicated is bad so yeah I'll talk to you guys tomorrow for Mass Murder Monday um Once again, thank you for all your continued support. Like, share, follow, support all the things. Have a great night. I love you guys.